0: Welcome to another episode of the Self-Storage Insight Podcast. I'm Ben Shirey, and today I'm joined by Brett Copper. Brett has a long history in the self-storage industry. His father was part of the Self-Storage 101, as it's got started up uh, years ago. And so he's kind of grown up in the industry. And so very excited to share uh, his insights with us and his some of his knowledge, uh, really good conversation, super excited about it. Uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit about, you know, what attracts new tenants? What are some features tenants are looking for based on some SSA studies that have been done recently, as well as then diving into why is the industry still growing at such a rapid pace? What does it look like over the next few years? And what does that mean for your business? So really excited for today's episode. Uh, Brett, if you don't mind to Take a few minutes and introduce yourself and uh, let us know kind of how you got into the industry. Of course,
1: yeah. So uh, I was one of the uh, the Nepo babies. I was born into self storage. Uh, and so about 20 years ago, my dad started a consulting firm called Self Storage 101. And that firm does about 90% of the country's worth of self storage consulting. So, you know, 900 feasibility studies a year, a few hundred due diligence. And so from the time I was nine or 10 years old, I've been coming to trade shows uh, and learning about the industry. Uh, and then working at the firm. And so then in 2019, decided to start uh, my own management company uh, after having that 20 years of experience uh, in the business. And so the trick was I wanted to bring remote management to the space. And so when we started uh, Copper Storage Management, the whole idea was a third-party management company that all of our stores are remote. And now currently we're up to about 200 stores in almost 30 states.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, it seems like, yeah, you have a, a decent background and, you know, kind of where the industry's been and, and that kind of thing. What, what kind of gave you that idea to start, of, uh, you know, you said about fully automated or, you know, unmanned facilities, uh, where did that vision kind of come from for you? Yeah, it's a good
1: question. So there are some influences in the industry. So I'm 29. So, I mean, you could think from that millennial base, it makes sense to go that route, but looking at red dot, I know when they started coming up, I was enthralled with uh, how good their system was, the low OPEX, how uh, easy it was for them to expand and buy property, and then 10 federal, good friends with the Minsley brothers and their group and, and love Da Vinci, And so watching those two companies uh, mm. prove that it could work on a big scale, then it just went, oh, well, why not try third-party management? Because no one was doing third-party remote. It was just private equity or private groups running their own I said, I bet we could find a way with this experience we had uh, to be able to run them for other people without that you know, heavy cost burden. And that's kind of where it started. We got lucky, okay. though, because right after that COVID hit, right, which right. Uh, really sped up the industry.
0: Right. Yeah. As far as with the unmanned part of it, for sure. Everybody's, you know, everybody went crazy with the, uh, with the whole COVID rush. So, yeah. So as far as with your experience then, I mean, I know you're, uh, you know, a little bit younger than some of the the facility owners I talked to, but I really like to talk to people about, you know, their, where, where do they kind of see the industry going? You've been in the industry for a long time already. Well, as, as far as like, you know, the last 10 years with the, with the rapid growth, the industry has seen, uh, I even know, you know, over the next few years, it's probably the landscape's going to change a decent amount. And so, where do you kind of see the industry heading? And and you know, what do you think the space looks like in five to ten years? You know, at the at the firm, we used to get asked that question
1: all the time. Uh, and and really, up until the last couple of years, we all thought, including the other industry leaders and and uh, you know, companies like Cube, Smart, and Extra Space and Life, uh, all great people that are very smart in the space. We thought that my generation would end up being kind of the death knell to storage. That once we got to the younger generations like millennials, that we didn't care about, con- you know, uh, consumerism. We buy cheap goods. So when I move, I throw away or give away most of my mm. stuff because it's off Wayfair. And, and right. so we kind of had that idea. But then the new demand study just came out from the SSA. It came out in March of this year. And overwhelmingly millennials have become the largest renting population, which no one expected to happen this quickly. I think it's 36% if I remember off the top of my head, uh, which was unbelievable. I mean, that change happened so quickly. And what we dove into why that is and what that kind of means for the future. And then the real reasons are with interest rates going up, you know, housing costs, payments, car payments, everything have gotten so high, but income hasn't followed that same scale. Right, And so people cannot afford the extra space in the house. They can't afford uh, the types of places that we're used to seeing people in their 30s living, where you start a family, you have a garage, you live in a suburb. Right. It's really people downsizing. that can't afford it. And so uh, it's weird to see storage somehow becoming more popular as we go forward. So the next outlook of the next five years is it's just going to keep expanding at such a rapid rate uh, that I think it's going to surprise most of us. I really do.
0: Right. Yeah. And I know like, as I, I'm in a pretty a pretty rural area, uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. So they're, you know, smaller towns around me, I my home though, I have, you know, some acreage with it. And so it's a pretty remote area. And so a lot of the facilities that I see, you know, aren't these big elaborate, you know, buildings and stuff, but you get into the cities and I mean, the storage, the storage facilities that they're putting up now are just incredible. I mean, you know, they're five or six stories high, a ton of, in, it's all climate controlled or temperature controlled. Uh, And so, I mean, I just feel like over the last few years, how quickly that change has kind of happened to where a lot of climate controlled, temperature controlled storage facilities are just, you know, they're, they're growing in demand, you know, even more rapidly than I thought they would for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also uh, just to kind of go back and touch on what you were saying there with the the generation, you know, our generation millennials, myself and yourself uh, would be the ones that kind of put put the industry at a standstill a little bit. I really did enjoy the the clip that you did on your LinkedIn profile or on Copper Storage Management's LinkedIn profile. So if our viewers want to check that out, uh, are you going to do more videos like that? Like the renter by generation type yeah. video that you did?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think we're going to try uh, at least for maybe the next year, do about two a month. So yeah, that was great. Okay. You actually watched that. That's funny. Uh, thanks yeah. for, for yeah, watching no, I was
0: checking out some of your stuff and I was like, oh, it, it was good content, you know, informative and uh, that, that kind of stuff is always, I always enjoy seeing stuff like that. So yeah, very cool. If, if at some point, yeah, you would, or even just now, if you just let people know where they can check out your LinkedIn profile, uh, that way, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, just look us up, Copper Storage Management on LinkedIn. It's uh, it's really easy. We have connected there. Uh, and I, I'm open, so if anyone ever just wants to DM me or call me, whatever, just just let me know. You said a really interesting point, though, a minute ago, that the type of market you're in, right? It being mm-hmm. more tertiary, rural, and talking about where the industry is going, it's fascinating. In that same study, which I'll uh, point out at some point, I don't know if it's in one of the more recent videos that's coming out, but uh, they also showed suburbs – uh, uh, urban and then rural tertiary markets and okay. then a percent of the population that rents in each. And for the first time since they've been tracking that stat, which is probably 30 years, uh, tertiary has become the largest percenting renter base by population. It's like 13% uh-huh. of the total population in rural tertiary are now renting, which beats uh urban, which doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's crazy.
1: you're seeing like this super big development uh, across these tertiary markets. And the good news is, you know, all of the main cities have been overbuilt for the last 20 years in stores, especially the last 10. Everyone's put their money into major cities, but there is always going to be a hundredfold uh, more room to build in these tertiary markets. And now we're seeing right. demand hit. So it it's kind of going to be the wild West again, as far as expanding into those markets, because we have all this raw land. It's cheaper to develop. There's more right, room. For sure. Uh, so it's interesting.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting. Uh, the one other thing I think that's interesting about you know just the space in general is that if you saw the uh, the the merger or whatever between Life and 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 uh, extra extra space, I think it was that merged last yeah. week or completed their merger last week. So do you do you feel like the market's going to kind of go that way too, where some of the big players are going to try and buy up a bunch of a bunch of other big players, or they're going to merge together to create you know a bigger bigger market shares?
1: I think so, You know, if a lot of uh, people in the industry come from multifamily, and so it's kind of uh, really, it's a paradox between the two. Right now, multifamily, about uh, 75% of all assets are owned by private equity companies and managed by REITs, so 75%. Uh, In storage, it's about 18 to 20% are owned and managed by private equity groups and then run by those REITs. And so we still have this 80% gap uh, to catch up which is good for us right as individual right. owners at some point in our lifetime those numbers are going to shift where the majority will be the private equity and large operators but luckily we just have a lot longer runway than some of these other asset classes that we're used to
0: right yeah one one thing uh and i'm going to bounce back to it a little bit was that you talked about the ssa uh the demand the study that you were working on uh, and one of the things that uh that i heard that you're part of was uh, a features for tenants uh, portion of that do you, do you mind filling us in a little bit about what you've discovered or what you've what your research has kind of showed on what what kind of features are tenants looking for uh within the facilities that they're that they're renting from
1: of course yeah so uh, it's kind of interesting as well so that study breaks down really two versions they took um I guess technically three it took overall what the tenants want the most now what's the biggest reason that they're going to rent at your facility mm-hmm. and then Later in that study, it breaks it down by geography as well as uh, by generation, which is really interesting. But let's just talk about overall what people, why we're renting. For the first time since I've been in the business, pricing is now the number one reason why people rent, which is just mind-boggling. I mean, it's been safety, location, cleanliness, and then pricing uh, for 20 years. And so it goes back to those interest rates and payments. but. 87% of people are choosing to rent because of price. Uh, And so it's created an environment where you now don't even just have to be the lowest in the market to get someone to rent. You have to be low enough that they're making a decision in their head that I'm willing to pay for storage at all. And it never was that way. I mean, it used to be, if you were $5 less in the competition, someone was gonna rent from you. But people have become so money conscious recently uh, that the only way to attract them is to have these low rates. So you're seeing rates across the country just plummet overnight. I mean, it's down 20, 30% uh, across the country for rental rates, which is just staggering.
0: Right. Yeah. And as far as that goes too, I mean, I don't know how much the marketing side of it would play into it, you know, as far as typically at least the, the storage, you know, the, the owners and stuff that I've talked to, they never really had to do much marketing at least in my area to fill their units. Right the demand has just always been here. And so their units were always just full, right? Most of the people that I talked to have, since they purchased their facility or built a the facility, they've been at max capacity or 90% capacity. And so as that, you know, as the demand comes down a little bit because the production has been so high over the last few years, I feel like that's going to continue to be a bear on, you know, as far as driving that price factor down even more. Uh, so so, so, kind of the things that you see, what, what do you think is a, a good marketing strategy there? I see a lot of people offering, you know, one month the first month at a dollar or whatever you know sparefoot does some different things as far as giving a big discount on that first month do you feel like that's pretty effective or is there better strategies to go about getting your units filled
1: it definitely is a good strategy to have low rates and good promotions typically we go back and forth depending on the market between move in for free or a dollar or 3 months 50% off okay that really if you're looking at when to use one over the other lower income areas you do 3 months 50% off you don't want Uh, people to be able to come into the facility, you know, uh, homeless people to be able to come and live or or break in. You want to mitigate it in a perfect world. We could do a dollar move in right everywhere. Uh, And and, uh, that, that would be best. But then on the marketing side, we're seeing the same thing where all of our dollars are having to increase, you know, our average uh, Google pay ad budget uh, per month, per facility was about 300 bucks a month before uh, really before August of this last year. Now that average budget's up to 600 bucks a month, which is double. In some cases you have facilities having to pay 1500 bucks a month for ads, which has never been the case since we kind of got in here. We're also seeing an increase to other marketing strategies like Facebook ads. That's now become a lot more prominent. So we're having to find new mediums to attract people and spend more dollars per rental to get them in. Uh, and then sparefoot, as you said, has just skyrocketed in most markets of how many months people are having to give up front to right. be able to get that that rental it's It's really changed very quickly
0: yeah yeah it's very it's very interesting and I'm, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out you know even over the next few years uh, as the market you know as that as that competitive drive for uh, demand continues to increase. Uh, If you don't mind talking to us a little bit more about your company, though, uh, maybe give us a, a, you know, high level view, like why go fully automated? What kind of benefits do you bring to the table when you get a customer from, you know, they have employees or however they run their facility to a fully automated unmanned facility like you were talking about?
1: Yeah, so it's a good question. And I'm a big proponent, Uh, even if you don't want to use a company like us, trying some form of automation yourself is really kind of paramount in today's age. You know, With interest rates, with mortgages, with rates becoming super low, it's just hard to maintain 50, 60 grand a year in, in, uh, you know, CapEx uh, or OpEx to be able to pay a manager to sit behind a desk. It's become extremely difficult. Most businesses we deal with today, whether it's airlines, restaurants, anything, they've taken down the amount of people needed to have a face-to-face interaction. And so they're taking it away. So consumers have become really used to it. In storage... It's about the easiest customer experience to show a good as possible. I mean, you think about like Best Buy, right? On you want to go buy new furniture, you TVs, whatever it is, how complicated the experience is because there's a million variations of every product. In storage, it's three walls and a door. It's either it's climate controlled, it's not, it's inside, right. upstairs, it's parking. It's so easy now to uh, educate the customer off site without them having to be on site. Uh, It doesn't make sense to spend all of this cost in this daily operations to have someone to be able to show that product anymore. And so our company, we took the managers on site that were sitting behind desks and we just worked them from home. So we said, all right, from now on, we're going to utilize managers on the phone so they interact with the tenants, either chatting on the website Uh, over the phone email whatever the tenant prefers and then on the facility level we just utilize 1099 contractors we call them boots on the ground and a lot of independent owners are starting to emulate this as well but you find a local person pay them a few hundred bucks a month they go buy a day or two uh, for a couple hours a day uh, a week they clean units and pick up trash and now all of a sudden you have one manager doing the more important task of renting units and collections and auctions But that manager can work 10 facilities instead of being relegated just to one facility. So the the concept is extremely simple, very, very simple, uh, but it's just so that we can really save money uh, because saving money is more important than it's ever been uh, and it's always been important.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, so would you feel like uh, as far as, you know, copper storage management, are you more, more geared towards uh, multi-facility businesses as far as, you know, multi-location facilities?
1: You know, that's a good question. So we actually do both. Uh, Okay. Compared to most management companies, we actually have a higher percent of individual single owner operators than most. So out of those like 200, uh, almost 200 stores, I think we have maybe 53 owners, which is pretty good. so we, okay. we do a lot of single stores. We've got owners with 80 units in the middle of nowhere that have us run it. And then we have owners with a 1,000 units, uh, and they might have 10 to 20 stores that we also run for. So it's interesting question because we get it a lot, but the model really does work on either end of the spectrum. Okay. Uh, we just have to adjust a little bit per facility to make sure that we're accommodating the tenants and number of units.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, it's very interesting and I, and I mean I think that for sure as you know as the younger generations come up through we're more used to seeing that sort of thing anyway, as far as you said, you know, less people working in, in retail shops and and kind of, you know, the more automated, more stuff happens online, obviously, than it, than it used to. And, and our generation's more just, that's kind of been built into us, right? So it's a very interesting model. And I, I mean, yeah, I think it'll definitely have some, it'll start to take off as far as gaining some market share and stuff uh, as well. It's, it's a really good concept. I like it a lot. Thanks. Cool. Uh, yeah. Any, uh, one other question I, I like to talk about a little bit is, you know, with you being in storage or in the storage industry for a really long time, have you had any horror stories or anything crazy happen to you or, or, you know, with, with your facilities that your family owned or anything like that?
1: Yeah, always. I mean, every time I think I've seen it all, there's always something new. I mean, we've had the amount of times I've seen, uh, a prostitution ring in a facility that happens so much more than you think, because if you think about a monthly cost, right. And like you, you know, you uh, uh right. that compared to a hotel room, it's much cheaper just to pay for a five by ten. You know, <laughs> right. uh, so we, we see yeah. that a lot. Obviously, okay. you, you see people that die on site, whether it's you know drugs or whether it's just you know heart attack. Uh, we've wow. seen it all. I think probably the craziest though, and I won't say uh, what company I was with uh, when when we saw this, but even though this could happen anywhere, uh, but. Uh, I had the FBI show up one time and they were basically been tracking uh, a a drug dealer and a very prominent one who had ended up, went to jail, no other connections, no other family, anything, and ended up passing away. And the day before the FBI got there, I had someone win an auction on a unit. And so they cleaned it out. It turns out this person found like $100,000 in cash in this unit didn't tell anybody. He's like, which I probably wouldn't have either to his right. credit. The FBI shows up and they're like, we think there's money in there. Well, it turns out we put him in contact and the guy didn't have to return the money. There was some loophole no in the state law wow. that allowed because he won it through a fair auction somehow that the FBI couldn't get it. And so no
0: way. that's crazy.
1: Probably the craziest thing I've seen.
0: Yeah. What a good bid on that auction, right? <laughs> that's he the kind that we're looking for. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Very awesome. Well, anything that you'd like to share with our listeners before uh, before we kind of wrap up this episode? Uh, any, any thoughts, any final thoughts, anything you'd like to kind of say about your business or anything like that that we didn't cover?
1: I think just the biggest thing is uh, whether or not anybody ever wants to use any of our companies, we touch a lot of the space. Even if you don't want to, we're always available to talk to. Uh, we would love to at least point you in the right direction of other good companies to deal with. We have... You know, ninety percent of the people in the industry are friends to us, and vice versa. And so, we uh, just want to make sure people are taken care of. And so, anytime anybody needs help, you're never going to bother me. If you want to call me, email me, DM me, uh, and I'd be more than happy to help, even if you don't you don't want to use us.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Brett. It was awesome to talk to you for a couple minutes here today, and uh, look forward to speaking with you more in the future. So. Thank you, man. I really do
1: appreciate
0: it. This podcast episode was brought to you by CC Storage. CC Storage is a property management software that helps you pass the fees of credit card processing onto your customers so you don't pay credit card processing fees ever again. If you enjoyed the podcast, there's a link below where you can fill out a form and be interviewed on the podcast with myself. If that interests you, please click the link below and we'll be in touch. We hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Don't forget to check back next week for another interview with another self-storage property owner.